All right, we're going to get into the Word this morning. We're going to continue a sermon series that we started last month. I don't know if you remember this. It's called Just You and Me. And uh, we started it. We did uh, two parts last month, and we're continuing another two parts, I think two parts, this month. Um, And the whole goal of our series together is to revive in our own experience that personal time with our personal God. I mean, this is, this is something that throughout Scripture we, we cannot ignore, that God is not just someone who is out there. He is someone who is right here. That when He came in the flesh, one of the names that was given to Him by, by the angel was, He shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so, I don't know, how is it? You don't have to answer out loud. How is your personal relationship with God? How, how much revival does it need today? Uh, this morning, we're going back to Mark chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. I think I've said this multiple times in the past, but Mark is, I think, my favorite gospel. <laughs> and Mark chapter 5 is probably my favorite chapter in Mark. I don't know if I should say that out loud because I'll probably change my mind later on. Anyways, Mark chapter 5, we've already looked at the demon-possessed man who had a legion of demons and was restored to his right mind. We've already looked at the story of Jairus, and now we're going back to Mark chapter 5, verse 25 is where we are. All right, Mark chapter 5, 25. This is actually right in the middle of Jairus' story. If you remember, Jairus comes to Jesus while he's surrounded by a crowd, and Jairus wants Jesus to come to his house. So Jesus the personal God that he is, wants to give him individual attention. And in verse 24, if you're there, Mark chapter 5, verse 24, go ahead and say amen. Amen, yeah. Um, We're going to start reading here, but before we read, let's just, can we just ask God for his Holy Spirit one more time? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're asking that right now you would not just cause our eyes to see ink on paper, but that the spiritual eyes of our heart would see the character of God, that we would hear a living word from the living God. We're praying for the Holy Spirit, and we ask that whatever um, burdens or cares or distractions, that you would allow us to truly turn our eyes upon Jesus and let the things of this world grow strangely dim. We pray this in Jesus' saving and precious name. Let the family say, Amen. Amen. So here we are, Mark chapter 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Mark chapter 5, verse 24, it says, So Jesus went with him. Okay, that's speaking of Jairus. Jesus starts to go with Jairus, and it says, And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. This is not what Jairus asked for, by the way. But in verse 25, Jairus' story is kind of put on a shelf. Put pause. And in verse 25, it says, Now... A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Man, and and as Jairus' story is put on pause and we start to, maybe the movie camera kind of shifts to a different character in the scene, the character that we're starting to see is really helpless and desperate. I mean, do you see the desperate details that are given? Remember, Mark is someone who's really quick on his feet to tell a story, but in Mark chapter 5 specifically, he stretches the story out. He tells you everything that he, 
that he wants us to see, hear, and feel. And notice just the, the desperate details that go beyond the, the identification that she is a woman who has an ailment. But, but notice, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. So this is a, a long-standing issue. But in verse 26, And had suffered, had suffered many things. From whom? From many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. And then even further, rather grew worse. I mean, it's just downward, heavy, heavy, heavy detail after another. It intensifies with each additional phrase. And you can imagine, I mean, you can imagine her physical suffering. I don't know how many of us have ever uh, donated blood before, where we've had blood withdrawn in one fell swoop, so to speak. But you kind of feel dizzy and lightheaded afterwards. But to have this, this, uh, this inability to retain proper amounts of blood in your body for not just a short period of time, but for 12 years continually. You can imagine the physical fatigue and suffering that she's going through. But even more so is the emotional, relational suffering that she is experiencing as a result of this, right? I mean, not knowing too many things about the times in which Jesus lived, we do know that, um, you know, when someone uh, was bleeding, that they were considered ceremonially unclean. In other words, they had a label given to them, and they were disconnected from any spiritual, let alone social, connection. This is for 12 years, okay? And so she is, again, she's disappointed. Um, She's also got the, the emotional baggage of being disappointed again and again and again by supposed experts of their practice, right? But she's also got this weight of spiritually being disconnected. So this woman has gone through it, and she is going through it for 12 long years. And I wonder today, what words, what words would you use to describe how she's feeling? <laughs> Despair, okay. Any other words come to your mind as you're kind of painting the picture of this woman in your heart and mind? Hopeless, yeah. We were talking a little bit about hope last night around the campfire. Yeah, hopeless, like things, is there really an expectation to, to reasonably have anymore? Any other words that come to your mind? Desperate. Desperate, Desperate. yeah. Like there, there's nothing else. And if there is anything else, I will do anything it takes to get there, right? This woman is desperate. But in the midst of her desperation, the story continues and you see this rise of faith. It's beautiful. Notice, notice verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, right? Glimmer of light in a dark place. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Forget about my next appointment with the next physician, you know. (laughs) Forget about looking for this or looking for that. I've heard about Jesus, and he, well, let's ask this question. What has she heard about Jesus, (laughs) right? This is awesome. I mean, where faith arises in the midst of a desperate situation, a long desperate situation, faith kindles when we hear about Jesus. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but man, when I was going um, to Bible study group when I was a high schooler, there was a verse that really stuck out to me in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, faith 
comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. In other words, when we hear about God's character, when we hear about God's promise, when we hear about God's plans and purposes and his power, it gives faith an opportunity to exercise itself. And I wonder what kinds of things this woman heard about Jesus. Maybe she heard the story that we read, or if you turn a few chapters earlier to Mark chapter 1, in verse 41, there's a story of Jesus reaching to touch a leper. Maybe she hears about Jesus' touch and how that saves even a leper. Or maybe she hears in, I think it's in Mark chapter 3, uh, 3 verse 10. Um, it says, For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. So maybe she's hearing stories not just of Jesus touching people, but of people touching Jesus and experiencing wholeness and healing. But did you notice the conclusion in her mind? Where was it? Verse 28. For she said, if only I may touch his what? His clothes. So she's heard stories about Jesus touching people. She's heard stories about people touching Jesus. And she says, I just need to touch his clothes. Right? <laughs> if only I may touch his clothes. Somehow the rise of faith as she has heard about the word or as she has heard about Jesus. Somehow that rise of faith has given her a conclusion that Jesus is all she needs. The contact with Christ will give her salvation. I love that, you know, that, that she will be made well. Verse 28 again, uh, for if, I only, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The word there is sozo, the Greek word sozo, which means to be saved. All right? it's, this is the salvation word right here, which, which tells you something, that in this woman's mind, healing wasn't just about feeling better. Healing was about being delivered. Do you, do you, do you understand that? It wasn't just she was, you know, she had sniffles and she was irritated with the sniffles. No, she wanted to be delivered and rescued. That's what she needed. And so this woman, in her mind, Jesus was the one who could sozo her make her whole. And eventually that conclusion of faith led to an action of faith. And what does she do? She goes up in the crowd. I, I don't know, you know, again, if she's been 12 years long experiencing the fatigue of this particular ailment, I'm not quite sure what supernatural power the Holy Spirit gave her to even work through this crowd, okay? But she's pressing through the crowd. I imagine her just even on her knees, kind of you know, scooting, crawling her way through and touched his garment. Again, you know, just, uh, just playing out the picture in your mind. She's not trying to touch him, just settles for touching his garment, right? I don't know, maybe she's trying to be unobtrusive. Maybe she's trying to remain anonymous, yeah? Just kind of uh, do what she needs to do without bothering his trajectory or path. But I believe that there's a boldness there that's more than we realize. I mean, again, just thinking back to the barriers that she has experienced, the, the sense of disconnection, she, again, she is unclean. And so it has taken her a lot of courage for an unclean person to be in the midst of clean persons, right? Just to even be in their presence. 
without announcing herself or whatever, you know, just to, to be there, let alone to touch. And so th- this is really, really incredible. Her willingness to risk crossing those, those ceremonial and social lines, not just a sick person touching a well person, but an unclean woman touching a ceremonially clean man. This is incredible what she's doing. And this action of faith, this boldness that, that lends itself from a desperate condition. Right? What happens? What happens? In verse 29, Mark uses one of his favorite words, immediately. Okay, So let's talk about some of these immediate results of her act of faith. Immediately, she experiences healing. Okay, watch, watch this, 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed, sozoed, saved, delivered, rescued of the affliction. She felt it. She didn't need another test or a scan to tell her so. She felt it. This was immediate. It was whole. It was, she experienced salvation and she knew it. And what's beautiful about this is that when it says she was healed of her, of the affliction the word for affliction here is, um, is a word that is sometimes translated as, as whip or scourge. Like this was, this was a, a, literally, it wasn't just a burden to bear. This was something that deeply pained this woman for 12 long years, severe pain. And I wonder today, you know, what is your scourge? What is your, not just your burden, but what is hurting your heart and soul? What has been for 12 years or more? I believe that Jesus, just like this woman found, that Jesus is the only one who can bring salvation and healing and wholeness to not just a temporary hurt, but a long-standing scourge. (laughs) She was healed of her affliction. The story doesn't stop there. I mean, the, the story would be beautiful if it, sto- if, it, if, if it stopped there. If that's all we had, the immediate healing, the drying up, this fountain of blood, the healing of her scourge. But the story doesn't stop there. There's another result, an immediate result. And I would say it's the immediate perception of Jesus. Watch this. In, in verse uh, 29, she's healed. But then in verse 30, it says this, And Jesus immediately... Knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. So not only is this woman experiencing something, she's feeling something in the immediate tense, but Jesus is also experiencing something immediately. What does he, he he has this immediate perception. Something is different. (laughs) He immediately perceives that the power had gone out of him. And so what does he do? He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, what kind of tone of voice do you imagine there? Who touched my clothes? No, I don't know. What, what do, you, do you... Do you think he said it loud enough for the entire crowd? I don't know. But we do know that his disciples, at least in, in his you know, circle, intimate circle, Peter starts responding, Jesus, are you, are you serious right now? Verse 31, but his disciples said to him, you, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Apparently, 
everybody's touching Jesus' clothes, okay? <laughs> Apparently, the answer to Jesus' question is um, the obvious answer that Peter gives. Everybody is, Jesus. Everybody is. But Jesus keeps looking around, verse 32, and he looked around to see her. He's looking for an individual to see her who had done this thing. This is the just you and me, God, okay? He's looking to see her. In that thronging multitude, the woman's touch was different. In that thronging multitude, I would submit that the woman's touch was the only touch that day that accessed the saving power of Jesus. The only touch. And I would say this, that there is a sharp difference between the woman's touch of faith and the crowd's casual contact with Jesus. Everybody was there with Jesus. Everybody was touching Jesus, but only one person experienced the so-so power of Jesus. What in the world? And according to Jesus, the woman reached for him with a touch of faith, right? In verse um, 34, well, let's read the, you know, 33 and 34. So he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told the whole truth. Okay, 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 this is what happened. In verse 34, and he said to her, almost to kind of address the anxiety that she was communicating with. Okay, uh, verse 34. He said to her, daughter, the first address is a word of relationship. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, be healed of your affliction. And according to Jesus, the woman reached with a touch of faith that sozoed her, that made her whole and complete. And not only that, as a result of this touch of faith, she experienced peace. Go in peace. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. There is a difference. If if this story has anything to teach us, there is a difference between the touch of faith and the crowd's casual contact with Jesus. Jesus is aware of the difference. He's immediately aware of the difference. My question to me and to us is, are we aware of the difference? Do we know the difference between the touch of faith Maybe, the, maybe we can call it the desperate touch of faith and the casual contact with Christ. Jesus is aware of the difference, and I pray that we would be aware of the difference too. The sobering truth is this, that it is entirely possible to be near Jesus, around Jesus, even touching Jesus, and still be unchanged by Jesus. It is entirely possible to be in the crowd that follows Jesus and the church that professes Jesus and still remain unsozoed by Jesus. But praise the Lord that this woman gives us an example of what it is to touch and reach with the touch of faith. So my question is, How do we reach for Jesus like that, (laughs) right? How do we experience what she experienced? How do we conclude what she concluded? And how do we act in a way that she acted where we can say that we have been so-so'd, made well, made whole, healed of our affliction by faith, that we can go in peace? 
What was it? What was it? So where did this kind of faith come from? And I'll go back to verse 27, that turning point for the woman. You know, you got those, those desperate details in verse 25 and 26, but then there's that turning point in verse 27 when she heard about Jesus. I would say that that's, that's component number one of what brings about the touch of faith, okay? As she heard about Jesus, actually, let's go there. In your Bible, go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I just want us to see this with our eyes, and even if you've got a pen, just to circle it, underline it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is in the context of, of Paul just kind of explaining, you know, uh, the gospel is something that has to be responded to, but people can't respond to it unless people hear it first, right? That's where he quotes from Isaiah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who preach good news. They're messengers of mercies that people can actually respond to God in faith. And then in verse 17, this is what he says. If you're there, say amen. Romans 10, 17. Okay. Romans 10, 17, the Bible says this. So then faith, and faith is a really big thing, according to Hebrews chapter 11, right? Verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So apparently, like this woman, her experience just demonstrates to us when she heard. When she heard, it gave her an opportunity for faith to rise and to exercise trust in Jesus. This is one thing that I believe that if we're wanting to reach for Jesus with the touch of faith, I believe it starts with hearing about Jesus. And again, this, this uh, sermon series that we've been talking about, Just You and Me, in our personal time with God, this is why I believe reading the Word and getting in the Word is such a critical component of experiencing healing and wholeness. Because without the word, there's no faith. <laughs> when we have the word, then we can see the character of God and exercise faith in the character of God. When we have the word, we hear the promises of God and we can exercise faith in the promises of God. And according to this woman's experience, your faith has made you well. And so that's where it starts, hearing about God. But I would say this, that the crowd probably heard about God too. <laughs> So what's missing? <laughs> they had heard stories about Jesus, which is probably why they were, you know, ooing and aahing after him. That's probably why they were thronging him in the first place. They had heard really cool stories and wanted to see something themselves. So what was the difference between all of these people that heard about Jesus? I would say that there is a combination, a catalytic combination. It's not just hearing about Jesus, but knowing my need of Jesus. Do you follow that? Hearing about Jesus and sensing, grasping, being honest with my need of Jesus. Uh, I think one without the other is, is powerless. One without the other. Now let, let's think about this. If I have great faith in Jesus, but I don't have a need for Jesus, then I still just settle for a casual contact with Christ. I have a casual faith. I might, it might be a convicted faith. You know, I, I have certainty about who Jesus is. But if I have no need for Jesus, then I'm not reaching with a touch of faith. Yeah? Uh, it's just casual contact. It's ooing and aahing after him. But I think also we, we can have the, the need for Jesus, but have little faith. Being absent of faith. Uh, that, I guess what, what ends up happening is we end up with an unbelieving neediness. 
we have a great need. We, we know how desperate we are, but we just haven't really seen that Jesus is the one that can satisfy my longings. So one without the other is impotent, but the two together, that's a powerful combination. <laughs> All that were present that day, they had heard about Jesus, but the one who reached with desperate faith did so because she had a desperate need and she knew it. She knew that apart from Jesus, she was doomed to die. And yes, you know, faith comes by hearing the word of God, just as we've read in Romans 10, 17. It, faith comes by being exposed to the word. Yes, the word is powerful, and, and, and it's powerful to accomplish the word for which God sends it and things like this. But when I read the parable of the sower, I also realize that sometimes the, the seed of God's word has no lasting power unless there's a readiness to receive it. You follow what I mean? Unless there's a readiness to receive that word, that's what influences the impact and effectiveness of the word in our lives. I truly believe that a, a crucial factor to my heart's receptivity of God's word is whether or not I need God's word. A crucial factor to the receptivity of, of, of Jesus is a sense of need for Jesus, that we receive the word not just out of convenience, but out of conviction. The conviction of our need for God's word is huge. The conviction that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God's mouth, that it's the spirit that gives life and the flesh profits nothing. I mean, that God's words are spirit and life. That sense of need that, you know, this word, spending time in God's word isn't just a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. That's a big difference, right? And that's what I think causes the just you and me time to go from casual contact with him to the desperate reach of faith. And so I just want to, you know, as we kind of process this story together, I mean, what, what is our takeaway today? And I want to apply this first to the theme of our series, Just You and Me, when it comes to our personal time with Jesus. I know, I know that from personal experience that when I began to have personal time with Jesus, that that changed everything for me. <laughs> changed everything for me. And I realize also that it is possible in group settings, just like the woman was in a crowd, she was still able to have a personal audience with Jesus. She was still able to have a personal experience with him. And I know that group settings allow for that, but I think it's all too easy for the group setting to just be about the group and not about me actually knowing Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today, if you don't have a regular routine of spending time alone with God, make it. <laughs> Carve it out. This is something that Jesus invites us to. And I would encourage you that when you have that time, spend time reading. Spend time hearing about Jesus. Why? Because Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. But the deeper, less tangible dimension that this woman experienced, and I would urge us to experience, is not just to settle for having time to hear about Jesus, but having time because you need Jesus. <laughs> I think a lot of us um, can resonate. The seasons of my life, I feel like, you know, spending time alone with God is, uh, can sometimes become an inconvenience. Sometimes it's, it's something that we just don't have time for. But I would say, how much life do we have apart from that? You know, 
How much life do we really have apart from that? And, you know, we can read. We can have devotions, whatever you call it. We can, and we can do this for various motivations, with various expectations, with various, various attitudes. You know, we can be motivated by duty that says it's the right thing to do. We can be motivated by familiarity. That's just what I grew up doing. <laughs> we can even be motivated by curiosity, saying, well, maybe I'll give it a try. That's an interesting thing to do. But I would urge us to spend time with Jesus, not out of duty, not out of familiarity, not out of curiosity, but out of necessity. I need this time with Jesus. I need to hear from Jesus. Without this time, without this word, I've got nothing. I would urge you today, if you don't have time, regular routine, take it. Make it. Because we need it. We need it. And this isn't about guilt tripping us into having a relationship with Jesus, but seeing ourselves in this story that you and I have afflictions and scourges in our lives that no other physician can heal. We need Jesus. We need him. And Jesus is willing to be that for us. I don't want to settle for casual contact with Jesus. I want to reach with the touch of faith. Good news is that God draws near, draws near to us no matter the motivation that we draw near to him. Praise the Lord for that. Right? But I want to appeal to you, draw near out of a humble and urgent sense of need. Need for him. Take time with Jesus, confessing that you actually need to time to take that time with him. Read the Bible not as a luxury, but as a necessity. So that's my my first appeal, I guess, just in applying this story that when it comes to taking time with Jesus, that we do it not out of duty or any other sense of motivation, but that we we do it because we need him. We need him. The second thing I would say is this. Um, I think there are. In any, in any group setting, we all can resonate this. Maybe at different seasons we resonate with this more. But we all feel a need. You know? I mean, we all um, feel a desperate need for Jesus. And sometimes we feel that to a more intense degree than at other times. Let's, let's admit that. But maybe today you are sensing a very deep need for healing, for deliverance, whether it's a scourge or an affliction or an addiction or a brokenness in a relationship or trust, we all need salvation of some dynamic or aspect in our lives today. And in our desperateness, there are things that we go to. There are things that we use to, to medicate, to self-medicate. We, there are people that we go to or experiences that we go to that, that really, in the end, we can spend all we've got and yet grow worse. <laughs> Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've done that. But today, let this be a day of salvation. You know, whether it's the salvation of your soul that is afflicted, or whether it's the salvation of a marriage that is afflicted, or whether it's the salvation of a, of a habit that needs transformation, let this be a day of salvation and reach for Jesus out of a desperate need for him. Jesus isn't going to turn away. He might ask, who touched my clothes? But he's not asking to, to, you know, uh, to bring about a sense of guilt. He's asking because he wants you to know that salvation comes through faith. He wants us to go in peace. He wants to call us daughter and son today. So will this be a day of salvation for you? I pray so. I pray so. 
Maybe there's someone that's close to you that is in deep need of salvation and they don't even know it, but you need to pray for their desperate need that they would reach for Jesus with a touch of faith too. Maybe today you want to shake off the casual contact with Christ and that's that's what you need deliverance from today. Jesus can save us from that as well. He calls it Laodicea and he invites us out of that. And even that invitation to Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, if if anyone hears my voice, right, and opens the door, he will come. He will come. How many of you want to experience the day of salvation today? I want to invite you today to stand with us and sing that, that song that we sang earlier, just the first verse in chorus. Lord, I need you. I need you. Please sing with us. Stand with us.